Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. And God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, his church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. Power in the hand of one who is not worthy will destroy. And absolute power absolutely destroys. And that's why we can't love each other the way we should love each other is because of power, not so much of the color of our skin, but because of power itself. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lines for this Martin Luther King weekend. I'm Paul Perot with Gabe, and this week, to commemorate this weekend, we're going to talk about baseball. Okay, well, actually, last month, Major League Baseball announced that they are considering the Negro Leagues of the past, where many baseball greats came from, to be part of Major League Baseball. Now, back in the 1950s, as our nation wrestled with the issue of racial segregation, professional sports was one arena where that drama played out but not the only. It happened in the 1950s among little leagues and other youth leagues. And there's a documentary on the Q media platform at qideas.org that tells us one of those stories. So Gabe, tell us about your guest today and this documentary. I've got two guests with us that we're going to have a fun conversation with, Reverend Freddie Augustine and Gary Fleming. Now, you probably haven't heard their names before, but these are American heroes and people that once you start to hear this story, I think you're just going to want to know more and you're going to want to dig in. And here's what we're talking about. We're talking about in 1955 when racial segregation defined the South and and Reverend Freddie and Gary were 12 years old. They were both on Little League baseball teams and they met. They met in Florida playing a huge game, but it was under all kinds of racial tensions and now 61 years later have become friends. And the story is just amazing. So what we're going to do is I want you to hear from them. But more than that, I want you to listen and watch Long Time Coming. It's a documentary that tells this story 60 years later about these players, how the game changed their lives, and why it was so much more than a game. And also, it's incredible. This documentary has Hank Aaron on it, Cal Ripken Jr., Gary Sheffield, Davey Johnson, Andrew Young, so many of these great a famous baseball players and heroes in this conversation who really have seen how this film can inspire us and these questions we have about race, equality, forgiveness, and healing. So I want you to enjoy that. I'll tell you how you can do that at Q Media. But right now, let's listen into my conversation with Reverend Freddie Augustine and Gary Fleming. Well, Reverend Freddie Augustine and Gary Fleming, I want to welcome you both to the Q Podcast. Thank you, sir. So, Gary, you are a native of Orlando, Florida, and I mean, the story that you guys have lived and now you're telling is one that I know is so encouraging to everybody who watches this, um, because we need more stories like this, uh, where you and Freddie now later in life have come together to tell an amazing story that, you know, perhaps could have just been one of those stories that lived only in your memory, but now so many people are being encouraged by it. But for those who haven't heard of the story that's told in Long Time Coming, let's let's take them back to the beginning. And I want to start with you, Freddie. You, you're playing on a Little League team. 
you're what 12 years old at the time yeah and you're on an all black team right and you know which feels so weird in 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 this this day and age to even speak about something in that way but you were on the Pensacola JCs and uh, you guys were a pretty good team, right? You were winning. Right. We had a pretty good team at that time, but we ran up against a team that was better than we were. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get to that part of the story, um, as you guys were, were winning, essentially you had you had won, and the next step was you were going to play for like a championship, but the other white all-white teams wouldn't play you guys. Right. And and what was that like for you as a 12-year-old trying to process that you had you deserved the chance to play in a championship and now these other teams were not willing to play you based on the color of your skin? Well, it was just a team about 40 miles from us that uh, were in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Uh, they refused to play us because we were all black and they were white. And also, it happened, uh, if my recollection served me right, uh, with the team in Panama City, Florida, which was about 108 miles away from Pensacola. And so by forfeit, we got a chance to play the team from Orlando, Florida, uh, the team which Gary is a member of. Yeah, and so Gary, talk about it from your perspective at this time. So you you guys had a great team. You're a winning team. Uh, and now, you know, at your age, did you even understand what was happening in terms of the controversy around that you were going to play the Pensacola JCs? No, had no idea about the controversy. Uh, we lived in an area, I mean, at a time when uh, most of us uh, didn't even know a black person. My whole world was as far as my bicycle would take me. My parents weren't racist or anything else. So black and white was never an issue growing up. And as a baseball team, uh, we just, we love competing and our goal was to see if we could win the state championship and Pensacola was just, uh, another team. Now, when it came time to play them, there was certainly a lot of controversy that went on with the adults, but as a kid, we just were ready to play baseball. That, that meant nothing to us. Isn't that amazing how his, has children you are interested in playing a baseball game, right? You're, you're wanting to play. You're wanting to compete. Period. And yet the political elements around it and the cultural elements around it that the parents are feeling, that starts to play into this. Um, but you guys finally met and were able to play this game. And what was the what was the game like for you guys, Freddie, from your perspective? Well, the game, uh, it was a baseball game, even though we came out on the short end that day. But but I must tell you from from that day forward, we we developed a relationship with each other that we didn't even know about until we met about sixty one years later at the uh, gathering of the information for a documentary, a long time coming, uh, when we finally had a chance to realize that we had done something great. It had been done for the first time in the state of Florida. And it was awesome. It was really, really awesome, uh, that game was. Yeah, you guys had broken through a barrier that you didn't even realize at age 12 you were breaking through. And that's what's amazing about watching this documentary, Long Time Coming, is just the retelling of the story. But to hear it from your perspectives and your teammates 61 years later 
gives a perspective to it that it's hard for other stories to compete with. And that's why I would encourage everybody to watch Long Time Coming because you'll get to know Freddie and Gary, and you'll also get to know the stories of, of this team and all that was circling around it. But, Gary, that day, who who was the victor of the game? <laughs> uh, we were the victor of the game. Uh, uh, Pensacola didn't have a good, particularly good game, and we had a pitcher that was really hot that day. And I... I think in talking with Freddie as we've gotten to know each other and whatnot, the pitcher that they had was really, really good but had gotten hurt uh, somehow during the the travel or whatnot. But uh, we were the better team that day, and so we prevailed. Yeah. Well, and I know, Gary, you mentioned for you, you know, this that, that the conversations around knowing other black kids that were in your neighborhood was not something that was happening. But, but Freddie, for you being black meant you weren't able to drink from the same water fountain as, and and go to the same bathrooms as other whites. So for you, what was your perspective at age 12 on what it meant to be black in the South? Well, being black and at age of 12, uh, we, we understood, uh, what society had and mandated. And so we we followed uh, the mandate that was required for us. But even, you know, even during the time of 1955 compared to 2020, I still see such a parallel to what happened then to what is happening now. Men are just as evil now as it was then. So, So what I'm saying is that we learn, and every time, every time I tell, somebody about the story. In fact, just no longer than last week, uh, a guy was next door to me, and I told him about the story, and he lived over in Mobile, Alabama, and he went home and saw that story, uh, and he came back the next day and told me, he said, Freddie, he said, that is some kind of a story. He said, how do you feel about that? I said, well, it was, we were just playing baseball at that time. You know, and and didn't really think of anything that would happen after we played the game, but certainly it did. Yeah, and and just to continue on, Freddie. I mean, as you reflect back now over sixty years, in terms of the racial conversation in America, what are what are the areas where you're encouraged, where you say, "Hey, we've seen progress, we've seen change," and then I want to ask you, where where are the areas that you still carry deep burden because you're not seeing as much progress as you would have hoped? Well, I, I know, uh, you know, what society advocates. I'm a sociology major, so I studied that in, in college. But I know that people are still cruel, they're still mean. But yet, on one hand, they are mean, and on the other hand, they're good. For example, guys like Gary and guys that played on that Kiwanis team back in 1955. Uh, we've come to be real, real good friends. In fact, when we celebrated uh, a couple of years ago, uh, they all came to Pensacola. A uh, guy by the name of Quinn Studer was on all, the, on all the baseball team in Pensacola. He brought all those guys back from Orlando, put them up for the weekend, and we had like uh, a reunion. And they honored us at the Wahoo Ballpark. And then that Sunday morning, it was so great because they all came to my church. And then I got a chance to preach to every one of them. It was such a such a rich and rewarding uh, <laughs> event that took place. In fact, um, you know, I've I've been all, all over the country uh, promoting that documentary. In fact, it won 
uh, number one in the Cleveland Film Festival among youth. And me and uh, another guy from Gary's team, Bill, uh, we've been to New York. Uh, we've been to several places uh, promoting that documentary. Gary, for you, what, what has been a lot of the lessons you've learned going from 12 years old and not being very aware that there was another culture that African-Americans in this country were maybe dealing with things that you hadn't experienced? And now later in your life, as you look at this, I mean, what are, what are some of the lessons that you feel like you've learned over the many years that others maybe who grew up like you could benefit from hearing from somebody if they haven't had a similar experience? Well, the thing that was astounding to me is that um, I never gave, even after the baseball game, I never gave the black and white issue any thought at all, hardly. I, I grew up in going to segregated schools. I went to the University of Florida. It was segregated. I went into business in a family insurance business and most of the stuff we did was with, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of interaction with the blacks. So I led a kind of a sheltered life up until five years ago or whenever, but uh, a lady from Pensacola came down and talked about doing a story about this game. And from that time on, finally Ted had it got involved and got serious about the thing. And, and then my curiosity became really fascinated because I had I never gave any thought what Freddie and his teammates were thinking during this whole process. And I really wanted to know what was going on because even in Orlando, there was atrocious things happening right outside the city limits that I was basically oblivious to, you know. There wasn't news or I didn't pay any attention to it. And a lot of stuff had been going on for all these years. In fact, a lot of things that I certainly wouldn't be proud of in today's deal. But this has given me an opportunity to see Freddie's side of the thing and spend a lot of time thinking, what can I do as a as a white man to make a difference in this situation? and you know, I'm also a Christian, and God has kind of held me by the nap of my neck, and 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 I keep asking him, what is what is my role in this situation? And he keeps telling me that you've got to love one another, and uh, if you don't know Christ's love and unconditional love, there's no hope for this situation that goes on. And I can remember sitting in Freddie's church that day. And uh, if you looked at the whole public picture, you would think there's no hope for healed relationships between black and white. And I said to myself that day, you know, there is a chance for that. If you know Christ and you're able to develop a, a relationship, regardless of what Freddie thinks or I think, if we can love and respect one another, there's not anything that we can't get through. And and make things happen. So that's been my deal is I've got to make a difference right where I am. I'm not going to make a difference in the world matters or whatever else, but I can make a difference in the life I live and the people I I meet with. So yeah. that's my goal in life right now is to make a difference. That's good, Gary. And I, I think um, 
you know, the power of Christ in this situation and in any of these situations to help us see our own sin and our own kind of repugnancy of, of ways in which maybe we don't allow love to lead the way uh, is one that's convicting. And, I, and that comes out in this story as you guys, you start to see the friendships and you start to see these men come together at later in life um, who've lived a lot of life, learned a lot than that, that you, you know, when you're young, you don't always anticipate you're going to get to live this long. But once you do, it's amazing the amount of wisdom that you have to give back. And and that kind of, Freddie, brings me to the moment we're in now. Culturally, racism has become such a prevalent conversation. You You even say in the documentary, this quote, you said, anybody that lives and doesn't admit that racism is prevalent, they're living in doubt because it's just as prevalent now as in 1955. Um, as a pastor, Freddie, and, and a man of, of God and, and uh, somebody who studies the Bible, I mean, as, as you look at this problem that still exists 60 plus years later, um, how, do, how do you think about this in, in the, as it relates to Scripture, as it relates to what is the real issue here that we seem to not be able to get over? Well, the reason why we can't get over it is because of power power in the hand of one who is not worthy will destroy. And absolute power absolutely destroys. And that's why we can't love each other the way we should love each other is because of power, not so much of the color of our skin, but because of power itself. Now, I would I would love to think that, you know, we all which we do, you know, we all have a full chamber heart, we have tibia, tibia, humanus, radius, all these parts that make up the body. But it's just the color that really separates us in such a way that it should. But I, I, I want to be clear uh, what I'm saying about that Kiwanis team that we played in 1955. Uh, from that very moment, we didn't know it. But we develop a love for each other, and I wish the whole world would have an opportunity to see the movie Long Time Coming, and perhaps it would change their outlook of what is happening in our society. Yeah, something changes when we come together and actually talk with one another and listen to one another, and we build friendship versus just looking at it absolutely right through these lenses of news and media or stories that aren't embodied and and that's what long time coming does it it takes your stories and you get to you get to meet just amazing people who've lived a lot of life and now are coming back to kind of appreciate a historic moment that you didn't even realize you were participating in and freddie i'm with you we want everybody to watch this long time coming which is available at on q media those of you who don't subscribe you can subscribe and watch this documentary it's a perfect thing to watch over the holidays when you're gathering with your family and you're reflecting on a year that's been difficult it's raised some really uh important tensions and and education uh and yet absent of stories like this it can leave people hopeless and i feel like the two of you bring a lot of hope uh to a story that a lot of people can't fully see the redemption of um but Gary, would you would you just kind of, in conclusion, what what is your greatest hope as people watch this documentary for somebody who hasn't watched it and they're going to gather their children or grandkids around over the holidays and pull them together and want to watch Long Time Coming? 
What is it that you hope will be inspired from them hearing this story? Well, my hope is that you make an effort to get to know and develop a friendship with somebody that's different than you are. You know, I I sometimes think our churches fall down there uh, because uh, we talk about love and everything, but sometimes we don't make the effort we need to be inclusive and whatnot. I've been so proud of the church I attend down here because we partnered up with some black churches here and and help them and get involved. We don't want to mix the churches. Everybody has their own reasons for enjoying their churches and what they do. But in the off time, we can certainly spend time together and get to know each other. And when you develop a relationship, everything changes. It becomes, especially a relationship centered around Christ, everything becomes different and everything becomes possible. So that's my my prayer is that we'll just make a better effort to get to know each other and develop relationships and friendships. Well, Gary, thank you for that. And I think for anybody listening, what an encouragement to just consider that it's never too late in life to make new friends. It's never too late to to meet somebody who's different from you, to learn from them, to gain experience. So I'm just so thankful that you and Freddie, thank you for being a part of this conversation and being a part of the long time coming story. I think people are just going to love watching it. Gabe, thanks for having us. And it was a pleasure being here this morning. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate you uh, inviting us. And I've had a great time. And listen, I'm leaving it open to you. Anytime you need me, call me back and let me know. Thank you, Freddie. I appreciate that. I hope you enjoyed listening in on my conversation with Freddie and Gary. Aren't they just great? I love talking to these older men who've learned a lot in life, but they break it down pretty simply, right? It's about love. It's about friendship. It's about coming together, uh, about being with other people that are different than ourselves. Uh, And I can't recommend enough you watching the whole story because you'll not just meet Gary and Freddie. You're going to meet so many other, this cast, this team that lived life and then came back together, which is so rare and an opportunity so that all of us could learn from it. It's called Long Time Coming. It's on Q Media. And this film is brought to you by Common Pictures, which is a great organization. We love partnering with them because they use film, photography, and documentary to curate stories that help us see and enjoy our shared humanity. And don't we need more of that? Um, Learn more about some of their other projects and film and work at commonpictures.org. And then I hope you'll just take time to not only watch this with your family, and friends, but that you'll check out so many more conversations that are happening on Q Media. You can go to qideas.org and click on media to get access. But we are seeing hundreds of hours of people just watching so much from our latest event we did called Q&A, where we're talking about so many different topics from censorship and conspiracy theories to deconstruction and progressive Christianity and church history, the next generation, mental health, so many of these topics that are prevalent. They're they're critical that we as Christians are able to talk about, that we're intelligent about, that we know how to dialogue, that we understand what's coming in 2021 and how to be equipped for that. You know, Gabe, what I really liked about the Q&A virtual town hall is that it wasn't just a bunch of nine or 18 minute talks. These were real discussions. And among the conversations was the issue of race and justice. And after the events of 2020, this was a really important discussion. Your friend David Bailey from Erebon led it with pastors John Tyson, Mika Edmondson and Razul Berry. 
Now, among the things they talked about in that discussion was how churches should engage and overcome the fear of doing so. Let's listen to a clip of that conversation. This is a segment from Pastor Razul Berry. So the week after um, George Floyd's death, uh, we decided, us and another church, to have a, uh, a, a prayerful protest. There was a lot of ten- intensity, and, and people were, you know, were starting to riot and things like that. And we were like, yo, let's, we need to be out here. It needs to be <laughs> for our own sense of therapy as well as to be in solidarity with people. What turned for started as two churches quickly went to over 100. We show up that week. 5,000 people were there. And we didn't even know what to like. It was like, oh man, this has gotten way bigger than what we could handle. But there was a key moment. We're there. This is all, evangelical churches all over New York City. And while we're about to start, we're about to go off the side street of Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn. And there's a protest that we that's coming the other way. And they're coming the other way, and they turn the corner, and now they're a part of us. And these folks were yelling profanities, they were angry, and whatnot. And now, and now they're a part of our process. Like two another, 200, 300 people. What do we do? Well, we said this is this is Christians out here doing this our way. We prayed, we moved, we went to had prayer locations, and they were stayed with us at each location, and we changed the atmosphere. Yeah. One of the problems is that the church is so concerned about who's out there in the streets, they don't re- we don't realize we have the power to change the atmosphere. Amen. So if they out there looting, guess what? Show up. Yeah. And when we show up, we can change the dynamic. Again, that was Pastor Razul Berry, who was part of the Q&A virtual town hall from this past November, one of the many offerings you can find as a subscriber to the Q Media platform at qideas.org. Talks from past Q conference and other special events, curated podcasts and special films like the documentary Long Time Coming that we heard about today. You know, these would be great for you to have your family and friends sit down and watch together and enjoy. And of course... The conversations, Gabe, of the Q&A virtual town hall. So it's a little less entertaining, but way more educational when you just sit down with family and friends and you listen to something like that and you sit and talk about it so that we can all be learning and growing together. So that's our goal. We want you to stay curious, think well, and advance good. So go to Q Media by going to QIdeas.org and clicking on Media. Well, we're out of time. So thanks again for listening to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons for this Martin Luther King weekend. I'm Paul Perot with Gabe. Have a great weekend. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.